But we're going to cover and continue covering what Pastor Max started two weeks ago, the chaos, clarity in the chaos. But this week, we're going to focus on politics, meaning how do we see with clear eyes in politics? I'm going to do something a little differently today. Um, we normally start out with a story, perhaps, and then read a Bible verse. But we're not going to start reading a Bible verse this morning. We're going to get to a Bible verse. I promise you, we'll get there. What I'd like to do is sort of set a foundation of facts and maybe change the narrative a bit about politics in America and where we are as a country. I'm going to read to you an excerpt from a book written by George Friedman, who is a, um, a geopolitical analyst and consultant. He is world-renowned, um, and he's written several books. And the one that we're going to quote from today is called The Next Hundred Years, The Next Hundred Years, where he lays out what he believes is going to happen over the next hundred years. And he wrote the book about 10 years ago. And I want to read this excerpt to sort of set a foundation for our discussion this morning. He writes, there are many answers to the question of why U.S. economy, the U.S. economy is so powerful. But the simplest answer is military power. The United States completely dominates a continent that is invulnerable to invasion and occupation and in which its military overwhelms those of its neighbors, that is Canada to the north and Mexico to the south. Military power and geographical reality created an economic reality. Other countries have lost time recovering from wars. The United States has not. It has actually grown because of them. Consider this simple fact. If you're at home watching online, put down the bagel just for a second. I want you to listen to this. The United States Navy controls all of the oceans of the world. Now, let that sink in just for a minute. Now, politically, that may not mean anything to you just yet. Hang on. Every ship in the world moves under the eyes of American satellites in space, and its movement is guaranteed or denied at will by the U.S. Navy. The combined naval force of the rest of the world doesn't even come close to equaling that of the U.S. Navy. Wait, there's more. This has never happened before in human history, even with Britain. So what does it mean? It has meant that in the final analysis, the United States controls international trade. Control of the seas emerged after World War II, solidified during the final phase of the European age, which we will discuss in just a minute. And what this means is whatever passing problems exist for the United States, internal strife, economic strife, society strife, the most important factor in world affairs is the tremendous imbalance of economic, military, and political power. 
Any attempt to forecast the 21st century that does not begin with the recognition of the extraordinary nature of American power is out of touch with reality. Wait, there's more. The United States is only at the beginning of its power. The 21st century will be the American century. You know what that means? <clears throat> it means we are large and in charge, literally, of the entire world. I'm reminded of a scene from a movie starring Tom Hanks. The movie was called Captain Phillips. It came out several years ago. And there's one scene in this movie that is really one of the most chilling scenes of any movie that I've ever seen. And it happens to be a true story. Let's watch this clip, and in this clip, it reminds me of where we are in the United States. Quickly. We got a problem. We pushed the ship too hard. We're off the grid. That means the computer's now offline. Captain. The ship's broken. Captain, no one gets hurt if you don't play no game. Uh, it's, the ship's broken. We had to go. Nobody gets hurt. Easy. Hey! Look at me. Sure. Look at me. Sure. I'm the captain now. Chilling, isn't it? Look at me. Look at me. I'm the captain now. That's America right now. That's us. Now, we have to give a little nod to Pastor Mac. Y'all know if he was here, he would have you turn to your neighbor, which we're going to do. <laughs> turn to your neighbor and go, we're the captain now. Okay, y'all have a really, really bad Somalian accent. I'm just, <laughs> really bad. Got to work on that. We're the captain now. We're in control, literally, of the world. And we often don't think of ourselves that way. We often hear of a number of distracting narratives out there. And it's so hard to find clarity in politics today. The political world is seemingly in an upheaval all the time about a number of factors, both domestic and foreign. Editorials, commentaries, news, newspapers, they'll have you to believe that America is on a downslide, that America is on its way out, and that other governments and forms of governments are way cooler than America's, that our best days in America are behind us, and they ended sometime in the 50s. And that's so far from the truth and the facts. It is true that we in America are a work in progress still because we are so young. But we are the captain now and have been for some time. For those of you who are 13 to 35-year-old, Pastor Mac really kind of started this series because of you. And there is no more relevant lesson than today. And there's no more relevant book, in my view, than the next hundred years written by George Friedman. Because you're the guys that are going to be around to experience most of it. <clears throat> Us old-timers, well, we'll get a little bit of it, but we're going to be gone. So you might want to pay attention to what's going to happen over the next hundred years. Let's start our study today in Ephesians, which is the foundational scripture that Pastor Max started with two weeks ago. 
And Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 and 15, sets the tone for our study of the clarity in the political chaos. It's up on the screen, but Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 through 15, reads as follows. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, political doctrine, by the trickery of men, political men and women, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, politically, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. We are called to look for and seek for truth, even in the political atmosphere in which we live, and perhaps especially in the political atmosphere in which we live. Now, let's do a little quick study of how we are to see governments and our government. And there are two, there are several, obviously, there are several recounts in the Bible about this, but we're going to study two. One is what Paul has to say about it. And we're going to study Paul because Paul is one of the MVPs of the New Testament since he wrote most of it. First a non-believer <clears throat> and then converted believer. Paul says in Romans 13, 1, about governments, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Now let's see what Peter has to say about it. Peter was one of Jesus' right-hand men. In fact, he said, upon you, Peter, the rock, I will build my church. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. Now, I'll be honest with you. I, I had a tough time with this initially when I read these verses because I'm thinking, wait a minute, God sent governments of all forms and shapes, kingdoms, democracies, other forms of governments? How, how can that be? They're so different. And it's really quite simple. God says if there's more than one family of you, you're going to have to get the government involved to figure out how you're going to get along. You've you got to have somebody to determine who does what, who gets punished for evil things, how you support contracts, how you buy, sell. You've got to have governments of some form in order to maintain order in a society. Thanksgiving's coming up. I got to tell you, there are some single families you might need to get the government involved. Y'all's families must get along a lot better than the families I know. Uh, God gave us the institution of marriage. We don't do it very well sometimes, but that doesn't mean it's not sanctioned by God. God gave us the, the institution of parenting and parents and children. We don't do it very well sometimes, but that doesn't mean it's not sanctioned by God. God gave us the church, the bride of Christ. And yet sometimes we don't do the church thing particularly well. But that doesn't mean it's not sanctioned by God. So he gave us governments. Here's the problem. Sometimes governments that we're a part of reflect 
who we are and look like us. And sometimes we don't like the way that looks. It's sort of like seeing yourself on video uh, and you look at yourself and go, oh my gosh, do I look like that? Ooh, oh, I didn't realize I had that twitch or whatever. Or have you ever heard your voice recorded back to you, you listen to it on a recording? Oh my goodness, do I sound like that? Where did that twain come from? Sometimes in politics, we're, we're actually seeing a reflection of ourselves, and it doesn't look so good. But here's the deal. Um, there are those who are taking extreme views of our government, and there are many who are literally trying to influence our young to change our form of government from what it is and from what we've been blessed with. And I assure you, we've been blessed, as we're about to read and find out here in just a moment. And we need to pay attention and understand exactly what we have and exactly what our government has done so that we can then make decisions in how we move forward into the future. Let's understand what some of these other options are really about. Our challenge is to try to figure out how to filter all of these other things through the screen of truth. And Mac gave us a diagram, which we'll put up here in just a second, put that diagram up that Mac started with two weeks ago, where he talked about how do we take the thoughts politically, feelings politically, ideas politically, and filter them through the truth, the screen of truth, to get to what we believe. And then we take those beliefs and we go out and we'll make political decisions. But we have to filter through that screen of truth. And that sometimes can be a challenge given all of the stuff that we have coming at us in the media and in Twitter and in Instagram and wherever else you get your source. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to learn to do, we're going to do three things to try to figure out how to sift through this screen of truth. We're going to learn, we're going to learn it, we're going to live it, and we're going to love it. All right? So let's talk about how do we learn it. We learn it by reading stuff. I tried to pretty this up, but I couldn't make it any better than that. We've got to read stuff. But don't just read the things that support your already designated point of view. Read things that, that are factual. Read things that are data-driven. Read things that maybe challenges what you think. So we're going to do that this morning, and we're going to do it with George Friedman, and we're going to make three observations this morning through these readings. The first two will relate to the United States and the rest of the world, and the third will relate to an internal uh, observation about America. The first observation that George Friedman makes, he makes several in his book, but we're only going to pick out three. The first observation he makes is that the European age is out, the American age is in. He says, we are now in an American-centric age. To understand this age, we must understand the United States, not only because it is so powerful, but because its culture will permeate the world and define it. Just as French culture and British culture were definitive during their times of power, so American culture, as young 
and barbaric as it is, will define the way the world thinks and lives. If there were only one argument I can make about the 21st century, it would be that the European age has ended and that the North American age has begun and that North America will be dominated by the United States for the next hundred years. The events of the 21st century will pivot around the United States. That doesn't guarantee that the United States is necessarily a just or moral regime. It certainly does not mean that America has yet developed a mature civilization. It does mean that in many ways, the history of the United States will be the history of the 21st century. Now, I'll bet you guys haven't heard any of that on any news outlet you've read or looked at, have you? Are y'all understanding what he's saying? He's saying, we're the captain now. This is ours to run. We will make the impact and the influence on the rest of the world. And we often don't think of ourselves that way, perhaps because we're so young. You know, when we go to Europe and we go to some of these other places, we walk into buildings that have been around longer than we've been a country. And we are awed by their used-to-be power. But here's what happened to Europe. Europe killed itself. From 1913 to 1945, in that 32-, 33-year period of time, Europe killed itself. And I don't mean that figuratively. I mean that literally. Europe killed 100 million people. From Russia on the Eastern Front all the way to Germany, Spain, Italy, Great Britain, two world wars, genocide, Holocaust. 100 million Europeans were killed in a 32-year period of time. And at the end of that age was the end of the European age. And the end of Europeans, of the European impact on the world. And guess who stepped to the center stage when Europe exited stage left? Good old U.S. of A. Flags flapping in the wind, ships sailing in the harbor, and we had no idea we had done that because we didn't try to do it. We reluctantly participated in those wars. But at the end of the day, we were in control of everything with ship ports all over the world, ships, submarines, frigates, battleships, aircraft carriers all over the world, and we decided to keep them there. So understand the European age is out and the American age is in. Second, second observation, the economic, the social, and the political influence has shifted to America. George Friedman, next 100 years. Let's consider some illuminating figures. Americans constitute about 4% of the world's population, but produces 26% of all goods and services. The international system is now badly out of balance. 
the United States is so powerful that it is almost impossible for the rest of the world to control American behavior. As a result, we see this contradiction. On the one hand, the United States is deeply resented and feared. On the other hand, individual nations still try to find a way to get along with the United States. This disequilibrium will dominate the 21st century, as will efforts to contain the United States. It will be a dangerous century, particularly for the rest of the world. He goes on to say, the United States is socially imitated and politically condemned. That means they like our cool stuff. They like our tech and our high tech. They like our music. They like the way we dress. But they condemn our politics because it's kind of ugly sometimes. Those who don't adopt America's ways can't have a modern economy. He says, old institutions have shattered, but new ones have not yet emerged. And the 21st century will be a period in which a range of new institutions, moral systems, practices will begin their first tentative emergence. And the first half of the 21st century will be marked by intense social conflict globally. We have the financial power, which everybody else in the world needs to honor. We're pretty cool socially, apparently. But they resent it. And they resent us. Um, I think they resent perhaps our politics because it works. It, it's, it is kind of ugly. And, and sometimes we don't really want to participate in it because it gets so ugly. But it really does work. And it has somehow propelled us to the forefront of the world stage. And it can't help but be admired. They resent it, but they have to respect it. So those are two observations on the world stage. What about our domestic stage? What observations does he make about that? Listen up. It's called the fifth 50-year cycle. The fifth 50-year cycle. And by the way, he starts counting this cycle with George Washington. And every 50 years, he says there's a cycle of disruption and social unrest. And every 50 years, a president will try to solve that problem, and his cabinet will try to solve the problem with the, what, with the way they did it 50 years before, and it won't work. And then a new president will come in, and they'll try something different, and it'll completely change the social structure, but it'll solve the problem. All right, that's what he means by the 50-year cycles. And he's been keeping up with this for 50 years, since the beginning of, uh, of, our, of our country. So here's what he says about that 50-year cycle. We are now exactly in the middle of the fifth cycle, the one ushered in by Ronald Reagan's election in 1980. This pattern indicates that the current structure of American society is in place until approximately 2030. And that no president, regardless of ideology, can alter the basic economic and social trends. <gasps> wait, what? Wait, what? Blasphemy, right? Hold on, there's more. 
remember, this next part, he wrote this 10 years ago. All right, y'all pay attention to this. He wrote this 10 years ago. If the pattern holds, the 50-year patterns, we will see increasing economic and social tensions in the 2020s. <gasps> Are you kidding me? Is this guy a prophet? Hold on, he's not done. Followed by a decisive shift in an election at some point around then. What will cause, hang, hang on to this, y'all pay attention. What will the crisis of the 2020s be about? And what will be the solution? One thing we know, the solution to the last cycle's crisis will engender the problem of the next, and the next solution will dramatically change the United States. So um, <clears throat> we're now in 2020, and it's been a heck of a year, hasn't it? Um, these are the kinds of things I like to read, to understand, to get clarity when there's chaos all around. He anticipated chaos 10 years ago. So. I guess what I'm trying to get across to you is, as Christ followers, inform ourselves about where we are, about who we are, and about what we're going to experience and not be surprised by it. And know and understand that there's God at work here, through it. And there's something for us to do as Christ followers because we can have an effect on the rest of the world. Now, the second thing that we do to learn is not only read stuff, but be receptive. Be receptive. Now, this one is hard, being receptive, because you might hear a different point of view from, from that which you've already convinced yourself of. Uh, politics is kind of like football. Whatever team you're on, there is no call the referee can make for your team that was wrong. Right? And regardless of which team you root for, there's no call the referee can make against your team that's right. So it's really hard to be receptive to others' views and viewpoints. I'm a part of this group. There's about 12 of us. And we meet once every two months, three months, four months, whenever we can get together and, and get a speaker. And we have a dinner. We sit at a round table. We invite, we pick a topic that we want to discuss, immigration, whatever. And we'll get a speaker to come talk to us on this topic. And in this group, we have Republicans, Democrats, far-right Republicans, far-left Democrats, moderate Republicans, moderate Democrats, women, men, and we listen to the facts and data. And then we have a discussion. And we listen to what each, other has to, each of us has to say about the topic. And we might even ask questions of the presenter. And then we try to determine what can we agree on. And we're often surprised at what that is. We can agree on a lot of stuff, but we got to be receptive to the information. We as Christ followers are called upon, as in Ephesians, to do that, to be receptive. Don't be um, stuck in a, in a hole of, of, well, I'm right all the time. 
because sometimes there are some things that perhaps we can be a little more agreeable on. Live it. You got to live it. Participate. Participate in the government. Participate in the process. Um, let your voices be heard. Run for office. Support those who do run for office. Don't expect perfection. There's nobody who's perfect. But participate in the process. And by all means, vote. That's the easiest one to do, even though you might have to stand in line for an hour or two or three or more. It's worth it. Um, whatever you do, don't walk around carrying firearms. And if you do, don't tell them you're a member of Lake Hills Church. Just please. Educate. Educate your kids. Talk to your kids about what's going on. And, and be honest with them. When you don't know, tell them, I don't know. I, don't, I really don't know. Let's go research and find out together. And when you do know, tell them. I send my kids articles all the time. All my kids are grown. But I'll send them articles. Just, just a little something to read to give you a little insight on what's going on in the world. I don't know if they're getting all of it, but I try to, to educate my children about what's going on because it's their future that I'm looking out for. Love it. I think we're called upon as Christ followers to love the freedoms that we have in this country with our form of government. Our form of government is consistent with Christ followers and our belief in God and what the freedoms that we have in Christ. They're consistent with that. You can accept them or not. And, and I believe that if we accept them and then we do things to help engender and foster them, we create a better environment for our country. So love our freedoms that we enjoy in this country, freedoms through a government that our God has given us, that we've been blessed to receive. And most importantly, love your neighbor. Jesus, when asked about the two greatest commandments, said the first one is to love God, but the second, he said, is like it in Matthew 22, 39. He said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And in politics, we got to love our neighbor, even though sometimes they're real hard to love. As Christ followers, that's what we're called to do. You, you, don't, you don't have to always agree. You don't have to always agree. But love your neighbor. God has blessed this nation. God has somehow found favor on this nation. And I don't know why. I don't know why we are the most powerful nation in the world, and we've been here only since 1776. I don't know why there has been a shift from the European age going out and the American age coming in. I don't know why our navies control every ocean on the planet. I don't know. I don't know why. But there's a reason. And you better believe that we can mess it up. How? Evil. Evil, that's how. There's a quote from Alexander Solzhenitsyn. He was a Russian writer, novelist, Nobel Peace Prize winner. He criticized the communist regime 
of Russia and was put in the gulag because of it, political prison. And he exposed that too. But he, had a, he has a quote that I, want, that I want to share with you. And the quote is, there always is this fallacious belief. It would not be the same here. Here, such things are impossible. Alas, all the evil of the 20th century is possible everywhere on earth. So, America, we're the captain now. We're the captain now. What are we going to do with it? What influence are we going to have on the rest of the world? This is our day. This is our opportunity. And Christ followers, we don't get to take a back seat and let someone else drive the boat. That's not why God put us here. Our voices need to be heard. Let your voice be heard. In love. Who's up for it? Here? Good. Let's end with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we sometimes get lost in the passing problems of the day. We sometimes get lost in personal vendettas political fights, contrasting news reports, candidates that we like, candidates that we dislike. Help us all to maintain our focus and clarity throughout all of the chaos. And for those of us who call you God, for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, Help us to rise to the occasion and to understand the blessings that we have in this country and the blessings that you have bestowed on this country so that we might do our part to influence the world. It is no small task. It perhaps will require something of us, time, money, resources, effort. Give us the fortitude to do your will, even politically. If there's someone who's heard this message today that wants to know a little bit more about this Christ thing, and understand what it's all about. Today may be your day to join a body of believers, 
imperfect though we may be, so that you too can see clarity in the chaos. And we welcome you. We open our arms to you. We pray for you. And if you feel this is your day, that now is your time, that maybe you're seeing life, not just America, but seeing life differently than you, than you saw before today. And you want to be a part of this body of believers. It's really easy. All you got to do is say, I, I want to be a part of that. I want Jesus into my life. I want, I want clarity in my life first and foremost. My life has been nothing but chaos. I thought I had it figured out, but I didn't. And I'm looking for clarity. We have it. It's called a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's as easy as saying, I just, I want to be a part of, of that body of believers. Come into my life. Come into my heart. And if you made this prayer request, we have something that we do at this church. We ask that you raise your hand as a physical affirmation to let us know that you are a part of something significant. If you would, if you raise your hand um, after the service, go up to the individuals in blue shirts at the tent out front and tell them that you did that. And they'll welcome you into the body of believers and tell you what to do next. As you put your hand down, we have something that we do here at the church. We put our hands together to welcome you into the family of believers.